Steve Fines. Good morning. How are we? Well, we're, you know, middling. Middling is what you do these days. It's tough in the middle. It's very tough in the middle, yes. <laughs> there's, um, there's a bit of a, 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 a daunting statistic that was issued by the police, so of course it must be true this week, in which they announced that there have now been, since the start of the protests in June last mm -hmm. year, over 10,000 arrests. That's a staggering number. 10,000 people have been arrested, yeah. of whom something like 2,200 have so far been prosecuted, i.e. about a fifth. This is um, compared... Let me compare this. I mean, what, what's so staggering is this is actually more political arrests than they've been on the mainland by a multiple of seven. I mean, you know, you think, gosh... Things and, and and by the way, they've got a bigger population. I don't know if the listener knows this. There's something like 1.4 billion people across the border on the mainland, and there's 7 million people here, point whatever. Hmm. So, you know, it is a staggering statistic. And let's do some, context, uh, some contrast. When the 1966-67 Cultural Revolution-inspired protests were underway, and remember, this was when... This was a genuinely um, uh, life-threatening series of protests. Not only was it genuinely life-threatening, 51 people died. Numerous people were injured. There were bombs going off, etc., etc. The number of arrests during this um, time was, and I can give you a precise number because a sufficient moment of history has passed, that was 4,979, i.e. less than half of the number of people arrested today. And of that... 1,936 people were ultimately um, convicted of crimes arising from those arrests. Now, the situation in Hong Kong is getting just extraordinary with these arrests. A very high percentage, at least 20% of the 10,000 arrests since June, 10, ha have happened in the last couple of months when there's been barely any protests. So that's why you get the police chasing down in Mongkok a 12-year-old girl, tackling her to the ground, putting the knee on the head. 12-year-old girl. I must keep repeating this. If you've seen the video, which is going viral, you will see she's a small, skinny girl. Didn't look to me. She looked scared beyond belief. She was running away from the police. You know, 12-year-olds, when they find something ominous happening, their instinct is... To run. I don't think, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on child psychology, but I don't think this is untypical. Anyway, we'll see what happens to her. She's already been charged. And then you've got this bizarre case of the bus driver, the New World bus driver, who was charged with um, dangerous drive. Uh, so, sorry, driving, or dangerous driving. It now turns out, and possession of a offensive weapon, which it turns out is a spanner. It's been explained by other drivers that a spanner is regularly used by drivers on buses. To, on buses to adjust their mirrors. Gosh, that sounds like the sort of thing that the national security law should be clamping down on. But, I mean, the point about this is, and it's, I mean, it's farcical on one level, it's appalling on another level, but what it really tells you is that you have a police force that operates without constraint, and that's the problem. Because now you know that you can be arrested because they don't like the look of you, because someone is angry in the police force. No policeman in Hong Kong now is ever 
brought up short and said, I think you've gone beyond the rules because we don't know where the rules are anymore. There is an enormous rule book for how the police should conduct themselves. It includes things like they have to wear visible identification, mm. which they don't wear anymore. It has um, other matters of restraint. But the rule book is sitting in somebody's filing cabinet somewhere. Oh, by the way, that filing cabinet's been locked. Just looking at our news from this morning on this particular topic, New World First bus said on Wednesday, records in the vehicle show the bus driver arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving was driving at about 10 to 35 kilometres per hour at the time. Uh, so basically... That's well beyond the speed limit by any stretch of the imagination. He's accused of travelling at high speed and in an unreasonable manner. Yeah. Uh, and basically just the headline here says, bus records show arrested driver wasn't speeding. I mean, yeah. the old black box so, says so, it all, didn't so it? So there you are. So, so um, why was he arrested? He was arrested because the police took it into their heads that by honking his horn in some way, he was showing support for the demonstrations. He apparently has been saying he was alerting... Saying, I'm a bus. Please be ...alerting people <laughs> to the fact that he was a bus and there were obstructions on the road. I mean, I, I can't obviously say what happened because I wasn't there and there are conflicting reports, but this whole thing looks like a pile of very brown stuff to me. It really does. But, I mean, let's go back to the fundamental point. So you've arrested 10,000 people. That's a staggering number in a population of 7 million or so. If it turns out, um, remember, already 20% of them have been prosecuted. If it turns out that a high percentage of those people end up going to jail, which is possible because sentencing, um, the, the, the judicial system now, particularly um, the public prosecution's office is very keen on long sentences for anybody involved in political crimes and have been asking the judges to impose these heavy sentences the sentences have been unusually heavy an unusual number of custodial sentences including for first-time offenders etc etc so what you're going to see is the jails jammed full i don't know whether the hong kong jail system actually has enough room for all these people but you know if you're, if you're developing a police state, one thing you're always prepared to do is build new jails. But let's say, you know, there's enough enough jail space and uh, on, on, in the Greater Bay Area, which we all know and love, you could perhaps find premises for a new jail. What's going to happen in those jails when they're full of political prisoners? Well, actually, we know. We know. Let's ask the veteran members of the Chinese Communist Party. Where did, they, where did they go? Where was their school for revolution? It was in the jails of, um, of the nationalists. It was in the jails of the dying emperor. That's where they, many of them got their education because the, you hole up a large number of people with a political agenda who have one thing on their hands, which is time. Mm. You know, it, it, jails, I, I'm not saying are a piece of cake. They really aren't. It's a very unpleasant experience. But the one thing you do have is time. They're very boring places to be. Everybody who's been a prisoner has always told me that. You know, boredom is one of the... I mean, torture's... I that's the point somehow, don't you? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Torture's pretty bad, but, but bore, boredom is, is, is a killer. So if you're in a jail stuffed full of other political prisoners, you're building a school for rebellion. That's what you're doing. Mm. Um, we've all you, seen Invictus. We, we, we've all seen Invictus. And, you know, and we all know 
what Nelson Mandela frequently said, that his education came from being in jail. Admittedly, he was in jail for a very long period of time. But look what emerged at the end. Somebody who was uh, almost, almost oven-ready to become leader of his nation. Yeah. I mean, it was an extraordinary thing. He'd, he'd been incarcerated, I think, for three decades. Was it as long 28, as 28, I think. 28, all right, just, just under three decades. Mm. Um, came out, and the first thing he says is he's in favour of reconciliation. Yeah. My God. I mean, My God. <laughs> you know, people say Mandela is an exceptional character. This is this is talking no, about patience, Steve. Yeah, I mean, so but 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 his point was, and he said it many times. And if you've ever read anything by Nelson Mandela, you must have seen this. Is jail was the place where he had his true education. He was, remember, a very highly educated man. He was a lawyer by trade, etc., etc. But the fact of the matter is, he said, "This is where I have my real education." And other of his comrades who were who were in jail with him have said very similar things not just in south africa you hear it throughout the piece um that there's a very interesting piece i was reading um just recently about czech dissidents who were put in jail who 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 who, who more or less say exactly the same thing so it's not a matter of of national boundaries it's not a matter of ethnicity it's a universal experience so hong kong is planning to create a school for rebellion wow I think the, That's an interesting point. Yeah, no, you're into history and stats and stuff like this. I wonder how many great leaders, just going back, have obviously been locked up for something or another. I can't help thinking of Les Miserables completely and utterly <laughs> just a parable. Just well, a parable. well but, but, but it is a common thing. I yeah. mean, you know, um, there's that Mr. Napoleon. He, he had a bit of a time. Well, he was admittedly stuck in a jail without anybody else there, so probably it wasn't much of an education for him. Yeah. But yes, yes. You, 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 you look around the world, and of course, the, 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 the main place, inevitably, where people are jailed is, is inside dictatorships, because all forms of opposition are regarded as illegitimate, therefore anybody opposing the government is subject to incarceration. This is where we're moving in Hong Kong. We're getting thought crimes. We're getting to see that um, it's not just the national security law. When in doubt, reach back, you know, many decades and charge people for... Um, what's what's his name been charged for? I'm trying to find his name. Um, yes. What, what's um, um, Tam Chak Chi been, been charged for? He's been charged for sedition, a crime that nobody's been mentioning in Hong Kong for decades. It's an old colonial law. It's a thought crime. It's a thought crime. Mm. So, you know, they say, ah, oh, well... Um, we may or may not, because everything now is may or may not, be looking at national security law cases retrospectively. That's very clear one way or another. In other words, not clear at all. But hey, we've just found this other thing on the statute books that we can bring in, because obviously his offences date back to before July the 1st, when the national security law came into force. And so we'll hit him with that. We'll do this. You know, we've got we, once you've decided to weaponize the law, there are no limits. There really aren't. You just find a piece of law and then fit the crime up to match it. Mm -hmm. It's not the other way around. I'm still going around my head with uh, the Mandela thing, because if you think about it, he went down <coughs> in 1962. For subversion, incidentally. Yeah, of course. I know. Yes. He went down in 1962 and mm. he came out in 1990. 
just for a second think about what happened yeah. outside yes. of the Nick in those 27 years. Yes. It's insane, isn't it? It's absolutely astonishing. I mean, in his last years in, uh, in jail, he was moved into a house, yeah, a, yeah. sort of a little bungalow thing. Um, it was still within the prison grounds, and he was given some access to what you might call developments of the modern world. Yeah. It's a very long time to be away. 62. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get yeah. the history head on and what was going yeah, on in the world. Exactly. And, it's insane. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he, again, he writes very movingly about this, how bewildered he was yeah. about what was happening. I mean, not, not just the politics. I mean, the politics were, of course, extraordinary. Yeah. But just the... You know, the internet had arrived. He, <laughs> here's the deal. He went into jail uh, probably a few months before President Kennedy was shot. Yes. He came out when I just graduated music college. Yeah. <laughs> Two key moments in history. No, no, I mean, 1990 <laughs> no, I, is, a, is a year yeah. we all kind yes, of remember. Yes, absolutely. Before Ken just before Kennedy was... Anyway, I'll get off this, but it's just... Uh, but it, it is one of those great moments. I mean... I don't think I'm alone in remembering just being sitting in front of a television screen, watching him, Winnie Mandela, who was his wife then, yeah. um, uh, with the clenched fists coming out of the gate of the jail. And the crowd was an extraordinary scene. It really was. Yeah. All right, Steve, let's put the brakes on. What do you want to get on to after the well, news? Well, I think we might just talk. Isn't there some sort of pandemic going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you know about that? We need five can minutes I, to get can, can, we, can we tell the listener about that? <laughs> All right, we'll do it. If you want to get in touch, morningbrew at rthk.hk. As you noticed, we're not doing the uh, Sonne Lumiere this morning, so it's just good old-fashioned steam radio. Steve, what you got? Well, I think we can't... I mean, the elephant in the room hasn't really gone away. In other words, the pandemic... <laughs> well, yes, there's more than one, it's true. There's a queue of elephants lining up to get in the room. But the one, the one that's marked pandemic hasn't gone away. And we're now in this ludicrous situation where the government says, oh, this, this universal testing scheme has been an enormous success because we've... Um, we've um, uh, we've, well, well, we've, um, uh, oh, we've tested people. Yes. Well, let me, let me just go through what hasn't happened rather than what has happened. Number one, it's a universal scheme which has tested, according to official figures, 1.3 million people. Now, the last time I looked, universal meant everyone. There's 7 the million universe. odd in the universe, indeed. In, you, you know, we're back to almost pregnant. There's 7 million-odd people in Hong Kong. That isn't the same as 1.3. I mean, however you do the maths, it is not the same figure. So what you've done is you've tested a proportion of the population, and according to Sophia Chan, who's the secretary for whatever it is, health, I believe it's called, um, that's absolutely marvellous because it has shown, we've learnt a lot from it, she says. We've learnt that some people have the disease and a lot of people don't. Gosh, did we know that before the testing? I'm not sure that we did. Gosh, that was an absolute re revelation. In fact, the so-called um, silent carriers in the community haven't really been exposed at all. A very small, very, very small number. I think it's just about in double digits have actually been revealed to be carriers as a result of the tests. The WHO, which I know is a controversial organisation these days, has on many occasions said there's no point 
in having a universal testing scheme as a one-off. And if you don't do it as a one-off, it is just vastly expensive. What you need to do is have targeted testing. I think everybody has said this because that's when it's necessary. You know, there are people in vulnerable age groups who need to be tested. There are people with pre-existing conditions who need to be contested, um, need to be tested. <coughs> there are people in proximity to those who've been proved to have the disease who need to be tested. That's where you concentrate your resources. That's where you get results. Mm. But of course, if you're the Hong Kong government, <coughs> once you've said, you're going to do something, it's axiomatically right. And of course, if you're Carrie Lam, you then politicise it. And you say, anybody who criticises this has has has, has no got... No idea. No. Worse than no... No, of course, we're all ignorant. I mean, gosh, didn't you know how ignorant Hong Kong people are? But, but, but no, if you criticise it, it means that they have a prejudice against the mainland. Mm. She instantly wants to politicise these things. And then she says, and my God, they're politicising this. Oh, hang about, hang about. I'm just trying to work all this out. I'm only a simple person. If your response to the tests is that you don't think it's a good idea, you're axiomatically trying to get at the mainland. Poor, blimey, that's an interesting um, lurch from uh, nowhere to nowhere. But I mean, it's it is if you're a doctor. It's especially tricky if you're a medic. <coughs> those doctors, can I just tell you, those doctors who don't do what they're told. They're irredeemables. In fact, I think they should have their practicing certificates taken away. I mean, you've actually got a situation now where medical experts have been cowed into silence by the threat that they will be labelled as political dissidents if they question the science and the medical sanity, or the public health sanity, whatever you want to call it, of this faulted testing scheme. It hasn't worked. That's the big thing just in case anybody hasn't noticed it hasn't worked if you've got a universal system that only succeeds in testing 20 percent of the population it's a failure full stop no, no, no need for qualification meanwhile you've got this new um statistics coming out of the very very high level of deaths occurring in old people's homes, mm. of people who've contracted the disease. I think it is something like 14% of people in these old people's homes who, who, who die from coronavirus. I mean, that is a staggering statistic because in the general population, it's, it tends to be one or 2% at the most, compare that with 14%. And it's no good saying, oh, well, they're old because there's a comparative statistic uh -huh, a for, for elderly people who are not in these elderly care homes. So let's just get down to what the problem is. These homes tend to be appalling. That's the absolute essence of the problem. They're crowded. They have insufficient hygiene facilities, insufficient everything. That's why people are dying in them. So if the government has so much money to splash around, on this useless testing scheme, why on earth isn't some of it not being deployed into better housing for elderly people who have to be in care homes? You're talking about the conditions inside these places. Yes. I think a lot of people might agree with you on that one. We've all walked. We've, we've all, all, we've all it, seen yeah. them. I mean, the the the. Um, well, I mean, some of them are just astonishing. Where I live in Sai Kung, in the old city. 
which is, you know, the, the very small old town of Saikung, which has very small accommodation. It mm, really, mm -hmm. really is. There's no such thing as a big unit there. There's quite a few of these. They're private elderly homes. They get subsidised by the government. And they've got people crammed into a tiny space. Mm. The only activity that I've ever seen going on there is the television being on all day long. Yeah. I mean, God, no wonder people are not in the best condition. But again, oh well, we'll ignore that. They're old. Oh, well, they're poor. They're old. They're hardly a, they're hardly uppermost in our minds. Can we move on to a bigger, flashier thing, which is testing centres? You know, that with people in red ties, yeah. literally people in red ties. Incidentally, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fairly well known the world over that medical institutions, hospitals, etc., are kind of cool places to get sick when yeah, there's a bug going it around. It is true. That is true. But there is. There is bad and worse, mm. and we've got worse. I mean, it is not axiomatic that a care home for the elderly needs to be an absolute hellhole. Really, it isn't. I mean, you have many, many examples, most of which cater for people with money, where, where people who need constant care because of their age and because of ailments can live in perfectly decent circumstances. Mm. And Hong Kong has the money to do that but it won't spend it on these things why not the elderly poor well, because the 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 people who run this place are rich and they just couldn't give up mm. flying one of those <laughs> i think it's a simple i really do think i think it's a, and and as everybody knows the ageing of the Hong Kong population is at least going at the same rate. In fact, new figures show that it's going rather faster than it is in other societies. So, you know, we are... Ageing is not an academic issue. The, the percentage of elderly people in the population will soon exceed the people who are not elderly. What is the plan for that? Oh, well... Play to play area! I mean, you know... Build another bridge, you know. I mean, why isn't money being spent on things that fundamentally affect the lives of Hong Kong citizens? It's not a mystery. We know the reason. It's all to do with politics, because politics is fundamentally about the allocation of resources. That's where the word comes from. And we'll see. We'll see what sort of looming disaster is brewing in Hong Kong, because the two things that we know... One is that the population's ageing, and the other is that inevitably there will be another virus outbreak. It's, mm. it's impossible to believe that that won't happen, and nobody is basing anything on the assumption that this will be the last virus outbreak we've ever seen. It can't be true. So let's just uh, take stock of where we've been this morning. So we've got 1917 happening in all the prisons. Yes, we basically. have. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've got uh, an aging population that's all going to disappear very very sickly yeah and we don't know what we're going to do with the rest so we're doing quite well this morning we're, all good all, all good, good. Yeah. everything under control oh that was yeah okay <laughs> and i mean squealer <laughs> but 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 the um my good friends over at the our hong kong federation remember them this is tung chi Wa's special project for his retirement Oh, incidentally, he's not in an old air, old age care home. He's in the um, National People's Consultative Conference, which is a very similar institution, but with a little, little more space. His institution, his 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 uh, think tank, has has come out with some solutions. All teaching materials for schools to be politically vetted. 
um, liberal studies to be trans... I mean, on and on we go. The, the, uh, mm. the solution to all problems is to have a better form of propaganda. That's basically what they're saying. I know it's a big deal about the sanitising and editing and censoring or whatever of school materials, and people are quite rightly worried, I think, but let's not forget that kids stay like, I'm not interested, I'm not reading it anyway. Well, the, honestly, there is that. Kids I don't mean, give a hoot I, about I, I mean, I think, I, I think that the great whitewashers of history and the great sanitizers of learning need to take a lesson. And they speak enough about taking lessons from the mainland. They need to take a lesson from the mainland. And what you know is that in the mainland, as it is in most um, uh, dictatorships, is that the population somehow becomes immune to the propaganda. So that, that when they're constantly faced with a barrage of propaganda, some of it sinks in, but basically they just turn off. It's actually a human response. Well, does that mean job done, actually, <coughs> well, when they turn off? I think it's job done in a sense, because it doesn't encourage people to go out in the streets and protest against the Communist Party. But on the other hand, it doesn't have the effect that it's supposed to have. Mm. And I must tell you, this is my classic story about this from the aftermath of the 1989 crackdown and the massacre in, in Tiananmen Square. So I was talking to somebody after the, after the protests in Guangzhou, far away from the scene of the crime. And she told me, well, somebody who worked in a factory, she said to me, oh, well, you know, it's been really exhausting. We've had these struggle sessions um, in the factory where, where <coughs> you know, the cadres have been explaining to us about what happened and why it happened and why we should be alert. So I said, so what did they say? And she looked at me as if I was completely mad. She said, I have no idea. I didn't listen. <laughs> Stands to reason. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, human nature plays a lot of parts in these things. Your brain <coughs> can only take in a certain amount of things, you know, perhaps when you're revising. But, I, but, you... but you know, it, the, the, the basic thing is that all these authoritarians have contempt for the people. They keep talking about the people. The people this, the people that, the people are insulted, the people are... But they actually basically have contempt. The, 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 the minions who run the Hong Kong... Contempt or fear, because of the people well, I think go both, in a different direction. But they direction, basically have contempt. Toast. I mean, you, you look at the standard... Carrie Lamb response to anything that people say is, oh, they don't understand. Yeah. Oh, they don't They're understand. They're all, you know, I've met some of these people. God, huh. well, in her case, she hasn't. But, you know, assuming that she had yeah, yeah. under control. Remember, this is the leader of Hong Kong that doesn't dare ever, ever, we don't need to qualify it, go out without a heavy police guard and only meet carefully pre-selected people. So she's got no idea That's what's what they happening. Do, isn't it? That's what they do. But, you know, but her main... Um, narrative is if only they understood if only they understood i've asked you about I this have, many i times. have many times explained to them but if only they understand and the subplot the subtext of that is my god the people of hong kong aren't they stupid can't they just understand what i tell them 